When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the days of internet and in YouTube, you we was after booing Bobby Heenan and Rick Rude, and Jake would be the break the way he's playing with snakes. Enthusiast of highest taste was always trading some tapes. Dusty said it cold to let me know about hard times. And Randy be the cream and he was reaching for new highs. Flair was always going and Andre was so imposing. Doesn't matter if nobody can seem to beat Hulk Hogan. Turnbuckles and territories, we beast up the screens in 1980s. And we can't feed them and made them believe I need turnbuckles and territories. Welcome back to Turnbuckles and Territories, the Gen X era podcast all about professional wrestling. With me as always today is Aaron. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. And it would not be a Turnbuckles and Territories podcast without Barry. How you doing, pal? Oh, we're going to start with a clubbering this time. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Couldn't even get past the introductions before we had to get there. In the belly welly, if you will. <laughs> in professional wrestling, how good you are on the mic is just as important as how good you are in the ring. The great Dusty Rhodes delivered legendary promos to captivated audiences of the 70s and 80s. In this episode, we'll reflect back on three prime examples of how a poor plumber's son held court with a smooth southern drawl and an intense presence without equal. We are, of course, going to go deep into Dusty Rhodes, and as I say that, I regret it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) And you were worried about how I was going to start this episode off. Oh, my goodness. Fourth listener, I apologize. I do not mean to go deep into Dusty Rhodes, but somebody did. (laughs) So all kidding aside, Dusty Rhodes is the man when it comes to mic work. Is there a better performer on the mic ever? Even today, I say no. I know some people would argue maybe CM Punk, and I'll give CM Punk his due. That man is incredible. Huh? You said bunk. No, I said punk. (laughs) (laughs) I I think they're both appropriate, so. (laughs) Now, I'll say this much. uh, As far as, I mean, you can say The Rock. You could say Ric Flair. You could say Steve Austin. And -hmm. these guys all cut tremendous promos, you know, without a doubt. However, no one, and I mean no one, knew how to cut a promo that talked to every single person in that auditorium better than Dusty Rhodes. I'll say that for me, somebody like The Rock, mm-hmm. who's an incredible mic worker, yes, or Steve Austin even, incredible mm-hmm. mic worker, their promos, while perfect for what they were trying to promote, always felt slightly performed to me. Oh, yeah. Okay. I could see that. When you're talking about even Ric Flair a little bit later on, I want to say yeah, late 80s, early 90s, a little bit more performance than heartfelt sentiment. He was portraying a character. Yes. Dusty Rhodes at no time ever felt that way. Every single one of his promos, every time he was on the 
mic. Every time he was talking to somebody felt like it was legitimately him. That's not his name. His given birth name is not Dusty Rhodes, but I swear to God it was. Yeah, it might as well have been. I mean, the, the way that he worked the microphone, like I said, it's like he was talking to every single person individually and they bought into it and it just it it worked it sold and it wasn't anything flashy necessarily well sometimes but for the most part it was like a good old southern boy just telling you a good old southern story well i don't have a whole lot of experience with dusty Rhodes as um you know when he was active um but in preparation of the podcast i listened to a bunch of his promos and i tell you it was a rabbit hole i just oh, yeah. <laughs> let the, I, I let the youtube algorithm just keep going and keep going and keep going even my fiance who's not a big wrestling fan right she was even captivated by it it was just are you wow. saying that you and your fiance went deep into dusty roads is that what together I'm together, together. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a menage a dusty. Okay. But, yeah, but his, his promos, they, they talk to you. It's like he was talking to me personally. It's almost like he's preaching. He has that same. He has that preacher energy, grab, doesn't you he? Know, yeah, absolutely. He has that same energy as like a good pastor or preacher. That's, you could almost see Dusty grabbing both sides of the pulpit telling you these stories, you know? I don't know if it's because I grew up in the South, but the mm-hmm. drawl that he had. Oh, yeah. The little, li- the little hint of the lisp. Mm-hmm. It was perfect for somebody like me watching on television as a young man. And I, so this is something that you guys may or may not know. I know Dusty Rhodes personally. Like I met oh. him multiple times, both as a kid and a little bit later on as a, as a young teenager. And I'm not going to say like, uh, you know, I exchange emails with a man. I'm not saying I know him <laughs> like that, but I, I met him multiple times throughout yep. my life. And I will say that when he interacted with me in all those different instances, the first time I ever met him, he came to my father's grocery store, which was not too far from the place where they would all wrestle here in Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. My dad, well, it wasn't his grocery store. He was managing a chain of places called Inland Foods at the time. Dusty Rhodes came in to get his driving snacks <laughs> he would need to take on the road before he would go to the next thing. And my father got a, you know, a Polaroid picture with him. And I was just a little kid there. Um, it was, you know, late on a Saturday night. And I have memories of him being so funny mm-hmm. and so kind and, yeah. you know, just cutting it up with my father, who was also a consummate salesman. My dad could sell ketchup to a, a prominent lady wearing white gloves. I mean, this man was a salesman. <laughs> he and Dusty Rhodes, watching the two of them interact, it was one of my favorite childhood memories. Seeing Dusty later on, because I had a friend who was related to him take us to wrestling matches, mm-hmm. uh, and seeing Dusty Rhodes backstage back then, whew, oh my goodness. He was everything I remembered from being a kid. He was always personal and friendly and nice. I had one interaction with him my entire life and it was still just, it was a fleeting moment. (laughs) I'll never forget it. He actually, he he said, you know, I went over, got an autograph from him. He reached over and rubbed my head. So (laughs) it was perfect. Question, were you bald at the time? Shut up. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. We've all had our favorite moments with Dusty Rhodes. Aaron's through uh, YouTube, fortunately. Barry and myself through personal history and experience. Uh, it's time to get into three of the greatest promos of all time, starting with the Bull of the Woods. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. First, many professionals reach for the smooth taste of mellow yellow. Woo, baby, mellow yellow, the taste that beats Mountain Dew. And now, Mellow Yellow has pictures and all the facts on your favorite NWA wrestlers. Ric Flair, Sting, the Road Warriors, and even my pretty face. Head to your favorite store and collect all 12. Woo! Take it for Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Make the Mellow Yellow move. Dusty Rhodes, as a wrestler, has a long, long history. So uh, most people are going to know him as the American Dream. That's by far his most prominent character. Uh, he also went by other nicknames. The Midnight Rider. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dirty Dusty Rhodes back when he was, uh, there was a tag team that he had with, uh, was it Dick Murdoch? It was Dick Did Murdoch. Yep. Yeah. And they were bad guys. They weren't good guys. Dusty Rhodes is mostly known as a face, but he played the bad guy angle really early in his career. Right, Barry? And actually did a, a pretty decent job of it. I mean, he definitely was more successful as a face on this. And mm-hmm. as people remember him as the the common man, that was another one that they, the they used to refer man. to him as a lot. But uh there, I mean, this guy had such an extensive history in wrestling. I mean, three-time NWA world champion. He was a WCW United States heavyweight champion, won the world television Champions multiple times, six-man tag team champ. I mean, the list goes on and on, you know? But the thing that always held true for me that, that I still remember watching is he's actually one of the only guys that's been inducted in both WWE, WCW, and the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Right. I mean, that right there says everything. You know, he's just let's make sure that we are not glossing over the fact that a lot of the time, a lot of these accomplishments were also due to the fact that he had a really good friend as the booker. Oh, well, that's true. That's very true. (laughs) That's very true. He was writing a lot of the storylines that he was a big part of the success for. But I think he understood maybe earlier on than anybody who knows professional wrestlers, nine out of 10 of them are very insecure. Yeah. They're very much like this business in the first place, you know, tell me how good I am. Did Mm -hmm. I do that? Okay. Was that, did I do this mover? Dusty Rhodes was one of the more confident individuals in professional wrestling that I've ever met. Oh, I believe. And I think he understood just how good he was. And that's why he was okay booking himself as champion or even as the guy chasing the championship when he had his run-ins with Harley race and Ric Flair, you know, in the early seventies. Well, and I can't remember, you know, oftentimes you'll hear people talk about in different territories where, you know, if someone's booking themselves as the champion that everybody else is kind of pissed off about it or feels like they're slighted. I don't recall ever hearing too many people talk about being upset when Dusty booked himself as the champion. I mean, it's, it happened from time to time. But, I've heard you know, some people talking about it. Um, <laughs> Ric Flair notably says well, he loves the fact that Dusty Rhodes booked the way he did, but he says there are a lot of times when he felt like other people should have gotten pushes, even over himself. Ric Flair is one of those guys who's insecure. Yeah, definitely. He's also kind of selfless a little bit too. Like he's so insecure. He's like, no, 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 no. Put him in the championship for a while. But everybody, right. you know, you got to put Ric Flair in the championship. He's greatest oh, yeah. of all time. But yeah. Dusty Rhodes, he epitomized what my childhood professional wrestling experience was. 
Oh, absolutely. And you put Dusty Rhodes in a ring with Harley Race, and then you throw in a little Wahoo McDaniel, a little sprinkling of Ric Flair. That's my childhood wrestling. Some Magnum TA. Magnum TA, my earlier, my later years, you know, my yeah. teenage years. But okay. kid, those four guys, <laughs> man. Mm. See, and th- this was one of, you've talked quite a bit on this podcast, George, about your relationship with wrestling and your father. Mm-hmm. This was one of the first big bonds for me and my dad yeah. was Dusty because he remembered watching Dusty, you know, as he was teenager into high school or high school into college years, watching Dusty coming up and watching him in Florida championship and watching him in Georgia championship. And as he came through all the different areas and thought he was one of the most entertaining guys in the ring. He may not have been the strongest, the fastest, you know, whatever, but he was definitely the most entertaining performer in the ring. No question. And I think one of the prime examples is how he competed in these bunkhouse stampede matches. Oh, yes. And that's what's going to lead us into talking about Bull of the Woods. So <laughs> can you explain what the uh, the bunkhouse uh, stampede were? Yeah, yeah. So it's a bunch of sweaty guys in a ring mm-hmm. and one of them wins. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> it was a lovely title that they would give to, to any number of different types of matches. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. So bunkhouse stampede, you can think of it as a Royal Rumble. Sometimes you can think of it as strap matches. I mean, they did a number of different things with with that title. But bunch of different gimmicks. Yeah, a bunch of different gimmicks. Essentially, what it meant, though, was whoever it was that came out as the winner was the best shit kicker in the business. The the trophy was even a boot. It was a boot. Like a cowboy boot. And they always would have some kind of a theme with it where you'd see, you know, bull ropes on the side or straps or, you know, barbed wire or anything that you would imagine with a cowboy theme. That's where the bunkhouse stampede All cowboy western themed stuff. And anything was fair game in them. They had had a couple of them already. Bull of the Woods promo, though, specifically, Barry talks about the third bunkhouse stampede match, right? I have to admit, Bull of the Woods has a little special place in my heart because this is what my wife refers to me as, is the Bull of the Woods. (laughs) After I showed her this promo, she's like, that is too funny. I have to put that on there. The third Bunkhouse Stampede was in January of... 98, I believe it was. And strangely enough, it was, a, it was the same night as the first Royal Rumble, which I thought that was kind of funny. Right. It's 1988, not 98. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. So leading up to it, Dusty cut this promo. And this is where you got to see Dusty at his best. He was at his best when he could be funny, when he was allowed to show his humor. The man is sitting in a chair with a duster on a top hat that for some ungodly reason has a chicken <laughs> foot on the front of it. <laughs> this is Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, the buckle, the boot, the prestige, the money of the bunkhouse stampede, being the baddest of the bad, being the bull of the woods, if you will, 25, 30 million, stampeding into one little bit of ring, you understand, with one thing in mind, to hurt somebody, to kick somebody's booty, to twist their arm off and put their ankles up in the chin. And I had to go back and watch this promo about four or five times because I couldn't stop staring at the damn chicken foot. (laughs) 
So he goes through this long, it's a, it's about a three minute promo. Yeah. And for those of you who uh, watch professor wrestling now, most guys get maybe 30 seconds on the mic on a vignette, mm. maybe a minute at the most before the next match. The only time when you get longer than that is if it's an in-ring promo that's specifically geared toward a moment, you know, somebody retiring right, or maybe, yeah, some big setup to some preamble of a, somebody doing a run-in or whatever. But promos back in the 70s oftentimes were two to four minutes of a guy sitting in essentially a studio soundstage doing yeah. a promo about whatever the topic was that he was talking about and that they would air it because traditional wrestling program matches during that day were anywhere from 30 minutes to at the max one hour. And they usually had three wrestling matches on a show. Yeah. That was the standard format across pretty much all territory systems. Not like today where it's, three and a half hours and you get a match and a half at best. <laughs> well, and a lot of times those, those promos that they were cutting were basically commercials. They were, they were. you know, promoting like a match coming up or the next mm-hmm. event or something along those lines or some feud yeah. or whatever yeah. it was at this time, Dusty Rhodes had won the previous bunkhouse stampede. Mm-hmm. So he was the current quote unquote champion or bunkhouse stampede or whatever the title was. Yeah. They never really gave it an official <laughs> title, but I loved it. In this promo, how he was, it was funny. He was talking about money that would change lives. Yep. And then he slips in bullet the woods, if you will, if you will, was all of his, that was his <laughs> yeah. phrase that he would use anytime he used a phrase that he wanted people to remember. Yeah, that's how he put a point on something. And the Mm -hmm. the thing that I loved about this promo is it starts off, the camera's uh, shooting the actual trophy and it's sitting at his feet and it just kind of pans up from there. And Dusty starts doing his Dusty thing and just starts going on and sitting there with those tinted sunglasses, just sitting back. You know, like I said, he looks like something just walked out of a Western. And by the way, (laughs) what you're talking about there, all that stage direction, the camera Mm -hmm. motion and all that stuff, Dusty does all of that back then. That's all him. There wasn't a director like there is in a TV show or a movie saying, okay, we're going to zoom the camera in here and somebody get the lighting there and blah, blah. It was just Dusty saying, okay, guys, this is how we're going to do. Sometimes during the promo, there's many times if you listen to some of the the promos that he does, Mr. Cameraman, look up here, you know, that (laughs) kind of stuff. Dusty was so good with that. But the thing that I love most about this promo and the thing that just made the biggest impact on me, he's going through, he's talking about the the bunkhouse stampede. And forgive me if I go into the Dusty accent, you can't talk about these things and not do it. But as he goes through it, you know, he's building up, building up, building up. And rarely do you ever get to experience someone giving themselves their own nickname. He does it in this promo and he does it with (laughs) such a manner that you're not really sure if he's kidding or if he's being legit. We're towards the end of it where he calls himself the bullet of woods. He starts mooing. How many people will (laughs) moo in a promo? I mean, it's just like, but you bring up a great point. Dusty Rhodes may be the only person next to Ric Flair Mm -hmm. that you see giving themselves a moniker in a promo that people believe and repeat. And that stuck with them. Yeah. Most of the time people are given those monikers by someone else. That's, you know, standard. But to get the guy who's giving the promo to give it to himself and everybody Mm go, yep, I believe that. That's, (laughs) you don't do that. You don't give yourself a nickname like that, but it works for Dusty because of who he was. Now, Aaron, I know this is kind of a new territory for you. Like you said, (laughs) you weren't as familiar with Dusty Rhodes because his time was arguably uh, before yours and your introduction 
into professional right. wrestling. But what did you think when you watched this promo for the first time? Well, this is this is actually the uh, the first one that I watched, and I was I was completely blown away. I mean, the way the way he delivered, like like I said before, it's, it felt like he was talking to me, which kind of made me a little afraid he's going to kick my ass. <laughs> but, and then the uh, the moo, it was just it was great. It was just completely awesome. One of the, yeah. uh, I mean. He's obviously the best at promos, definitely. But it's not just promos. I think he may be the best person to tell a story with promos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would Anybody agree with can that. deliver a promo. I'm going to kick your ass Saturday night, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Anybody can do that. <laughs> Telling a story from beginning to end inside of three minutes that you buy into so much, you want to go buy a ticket to go watch him do the thing he's talking about. Absolutely. None better. Dusty Rhodes. Not even close. I wanted to buy a ticket and here it is, you know. 30 years later. (laughs) (laughs) You use the word smooth when you Mm -hmm. talk about some performers and how effortlessly I can say that word. As smooth (laughs) as you are right now. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) How easily it comes out for them and it just seems like so seamless and just flows with it. And even when Dusty is talking about the most ridiculous shit on the planet, it's still one of those things that you just go along for the ride. And he was so good at doing that. The man came up with his own words. There are words that Dusty Rhodes used that aren't in the English language. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> they should be. They became part of the dictionary yeah. after him. I'm yeah. going to ask you guys a quick question to end Shoot. this segment. Mm-hmm. And I know what my answer is to it. So I'm going to wait just in case my answer overlaps, which okay. it could because Dusty okay. Rhodes is awesome. What is your favorite phrase of Dusty Dusty Rhodes. Aaron, I'll start Ooh. with you because I know you're kind of new to this. Well, I like the whole, if you will, and a bunch of the uh, the promos I watched, she said baby doll a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and baby doll. <laughs> Barry, how about you? Oh, that's a tough one because there's so many of them. Uh, you, I mean, I could go with the, the tree of woe, but that's more of a Kevin Sullivan thing. Yeah. But I, I have to think that one of my favorites, it actually wasn't when he was doing in-ring work. It's when he was just doing mic work when he was in WCW because he kept referring to WCW, was it Saturday night or Sunday night? Whatever the show Saturday was. Night. As the mothership. The mothership. Yeah. He kept referring to it as the mothership. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what is this? I want to see this. <laughs> I think mine kind of co-ops Aaron's a little bit, but it's got a different flavor. Mm-hmm. There's the if you will, which he would mm-hmm. say when he was delivering a another phrase that he wanted you to remember. Bull of the woods, yep. if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. And he always had that little southern draw with the little like on the wrong side of the tracks accent to it. <laughs> but my favorite variation of that, and this is the one that I would just repeat nonstop when I was a kid running around the house and my parents would lose their shit. Shut up. Just shut up. But I would go around all the time in public, if you will, because he couldn't say in public. Yeah, if it you was, will. the B was silent in public yeah. for that man. It didn't exist. There was no B in that word. <laughs> in public, if you will. It was just, oh my God, I loved that was that priceless. Phrase. Dusty Rhodes is the man. He also, though, could deliver a somber and serious promo. Not yes. just the comedy, not just the enforcement kind of promo, but the somber and serious promo. We're going to get into one example of that right after this. You know, the Latin Omni has seen the American dream rise to the occasion. 
They've seen a modern day gladiator do what nobody else does like it. You might not be in agreement with the way it does. Now the stomper is facing a bad situation. And the situation is the national championship title at stake. The American dream, the stomper, and the omni. And I got something for you. I got a surprise that's gonna make your eyes water, your knees weak, and your liver quiver, Jack. Cause in the omni, that title gonna belong to the American dream. Dusty was known for cutting all kinds of tremendous promos. They would make you laugh. They would make you smile. They would talk to your heart. However, when he would come across something that impacted him, he wore his emotions on his sleeve. And I I really think there's no better example of that than October 14th, 1986. Um, He had a partner tag team partner named Magnum TA. It was his best friend outside of the ring, actually. And unfortunately, Magnum was involved in a uh, pretty serious car accident mm-hmm. and um, nearly yeah. lost his life. But uh, yeah. it, it basically ended his wrestling career. Whether you like my choice or not is not really important to Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. The respect you have maybe of this country of ours brought, as they're saying, these two superpowers together and didn't always agree on everything, but at least had a common bond on what you wanted out of life, then it'd be better. And I have a new partner. It was a tragedy. You know, we talked in the previous episode about the Von Erich curse and the tragedies that family endured. Uh, Terry Allen, Magnum TA, that man, you know, he was in the prime of his yeah. career at that point. Yeah. Like he was he was the heir apparent, really. They were kind of grooming him to yeah. be the next big thing. And he had the, the mic skills. He had the in-ring skills. I mean, he was the total package on this. He knew what to do. I think do he was. This. I mean, I'll say he was developing his mic skills. He wasn't in the Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes era oh, no, yet. No. He wasn't but, in I mean, that he echelon, his but he was, he was solid. Yeah. Um, his in-ring skills were, you know, Barry Windham off the charts skills. Oh, yeah. He was, he yeah. was ridiculously good. Ring. But um, unfortunately, he uh, he had a pretty serious car accident. He wrapped his car around a telephone pole. And, yep. you know, as I said, it, it nearly killed him. And it was one of those things that it kind of left the wrestling world looking at each other going, what are we going to do now? Because here you had Dusty and Magnum that were being pushed to be the next big tag team. They were really just going forward on it. Well, and they were in a few with the Koloffs at the time. Yes. Which is an important part to this story because the promo that he's going to cut is all about how his character has to pivot. You know, he's yeah. he's essentially lost his partner and partner in wrestling means more than just the guy you're in the ring with, right? No, this it's, is the guy, this is your ride or die. Your guy who rides with you up and down the roads and yeah. goes to events. It means a lot to these guys. So just to set the stage for those who don't know, there are two people, the Koloffs. There's Ivan Koloff, who's the elder statesman of the pair mm-hmm. and he's the uncle. And then there's Nikita Koloff, who is the young brash nephew, the best athlete from Russia. Yes. The epitome of everything that you would see in a Rocky movie, yeah. right? I mean, it, and they they lived that stereotype. They played that to the rafters to try to show the, the pro-Russia, anti-American, anti, you know, mm-hmm. it carried over from, you know, a lot of different other characters would portray that same thing, but nobody did it the way that Ivan and Nikita pulled it off. Well, he was, no, he wasn't really Russian though. No, neither one of them were. No, he, you're right, Eric. <laughs> he wasn't Russian. 
it's fun to go back and watch some of these uh, some of these videos of those times because you're right, he wasn't Russian, but good lord, if he wasn't believable in the role, like he's oh, yeah. he was just as good as any actor of the day oh, portraying yeah. that type of character. That accent that he did was very just the epitome of a stereotypical Russian. Oh accent. yeah, yeah, definitely. And the funny thing is, uh, Nikita and, and Dusty had actually had some matches coming up to what happened to Magnum, you know, some individual mm-hmm. matches and had put on some pretty stellar matches. Well, that's all part of the feud, right? Yeah. It's all a part of how you build up a feud to its heated, you know, climactic match because you do like if it's a tag team match, you have each one of the members of the tag team wrestle the individual members of the other tag team. Right. You have run ins, you have uh, like say Dusty was wrestling somebody else that was not a Koloff. Maybe Ivan and Dikita would run in at the end of the match, beat him down. And then Magnum TA would come in for the save. For the save yeah. You right. do that stuff for weeks, right? Oh, yeah. If you're going to tell a good story. And they definitely sold it. I mean, everything about this was just played so perfectly. And then so Magnum gets into his car accident, Mm -hmm. nearly kills him. They finally decide on a plan, or I should say Dusty decides on a plan on what he's going to do and cuts the promo of it's entitled, I have a new partner. Yeah. I have never seen, and I've seen some emotional, like gut-wrenching emotional promos cut by a lot of people. I have never quite seen one the way that he did this. You could tell right from the get-go that he was fighting back, just completely breaking down during this promo. You're right about that, Barry. I'm just kind of curious, Aaron, I know you didn't have the same history of watching these events unfold in the moment like Barry and I do. When you watch this promo, how effective was it in conveying that type of emotional states that Barry just described? Oh, it was it was really effective. Um, you know, I could feel that, you know, he was going through a hard time. Um mm. that he was, you know, dealing with the loss of his friend as a as a tag team partner. And you know, road partner. It was very, very effective into uh, conveying that that sense of loss that he was feeling. At any point in time, you could see that he was going to lose it, and sure. right there on that edge. And I mean, you've seen emotional promos, nothing like this. He starts no, off talking about Magnum. He start, you know, goes into a lot of the the information about you know what happened that he lost somebody, and then he's got to he's got to change direction. He's got to pivot, and that's when he says, "I've got a new partner." And, and then you you pan drops wide. the bombshell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you. Drop Drop Nikita Koloff into the mix. Uh, this is the tag team as well. Um, and we've got plans for doing a tag team episode later in the season mm-hmm. that because of the two countries that these two gentlemen representative, uh, American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, obviously America, Nikita Koloff, the Russian nightmare, mm-hmm. as he was nicknamed at the time, they named this team, even in this promo and in a couple of other instances right there, you start to see people calling these two men the superpowers. Yes. There will later be another tag team that goes by that name that we're not going to talk about. Well, but, they go uh, by Mega Powers. <laughs> mega Powers, yeah. That's, I mean, that was obviously a take of this tag team, right? Yes. They That's, took yeah. that from that and changed it a little bit. Superpowers is better than the, uh, the Can-Am connection. Hey, now. Oh, Jesus. Okay, we're, we're not doing later. the episode yet, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're trying to talk about Dusty Rose promos here. The thing that I take away from this so much was, like George said, they pan back and you see Nikita Koloff standing there and Dusty's on, you know, it was two separate cameras, if I remember correctly, because yeah. they had him in a separate room. And just they the did. Look, That's right. They split yeah. screen flash. They did back a split and screen. And to look, the look on Koloff's face of just, it was like almost utter confusion meets, I know this is the right thing for me to do, but this just feels so weird. Yeah. You know? I mean, confusion wasn't what I got, but you're right that I, I think he 
he felt like a fish out of water yeah. a little bit yeah, absolutely. at the beginning and, of the promo, but and he, it just came through. he quickly moved into, this is the honorable thing. Yeah, I'm the, right the great thing to do. athlete yeah. of Russia. Mm-hmm. And even though Americans hate me and you guys all think I'm a bad guy, I know what true real sportsmanship is. And so it was both of the men rallying around a fallen comrade. Yes. That's really what right. the promo was about. And they came together to carry on the legacy that Magnum TA was building at the time. Absolutely. There were a lot of people who did not see that coming. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was a young person totally devoted to professional wrestling and that organization in particular at the time. Nikita Koloff becoming a good guy? Nah. I yeah. would have never believed it. I, a matter of fact, I distinctly remember watching the promo thinking in my head he's going to trick Dusty. Yeah. He's yeah, going to turn yeah, on exactly. Dusty, on the help swerve. his uncle, and he yeah. never did. Yeah. He became a face for a long time after that. I want to say it was almost two years. Yeah. Because he he stayed, uh, Nikita Koloff stayed a, a face for a while, even after he stopped tag teaming with Dusty. Mm-hmm. But I just, uh, it, a lot of people considered that face turn one of the most shocking in wrestling history because nobody saw that coming. Yeah. You have I built up this, this heel for so long and he personified everything that was anti-American. And then just to have him switch on, you know, turn on a dime to be the partner of the biggest face in your company. I mean, that's just... That's crazy. That was the whole setup at that moment for like a year, maybe a year and a half. You build Magnum TA up as the guy who's going to be the new face of the company. And on the other side, you got to have a new heel. And Ivan Koloff, the Russian bear, was aging, just like Dusty was. Mm -hmm. And Ric Flair was kind of, he was in his own thing at that point. Yeah. So in order to have at this time, because this is the Rocky era, right? Rocky for, you know, all the us versus them, Ronald Reagan in the White House. This is 86. Well, you had that. You had, you know, War Games. You had uh, uh, Red Dawn. You had all of those types of movies that were setting up the whole Star Wars thing. But that's what I mean. If you're going to build up a a Magnum TA, you've got to have his his antithesis, his counterpoint on the other side. So that's what they were doing with Nikita Koloff at the time. They were building up him building up Magnum TA. Magnum TA goes down to an unfortunate circumstance outside of the ring and you put Nikita Koloff in his place. And the way you do it is you cut one of the greatest promos in wrestling history. I have a new partner. Now yeah. it's pretty good. Bull of the oh, Woods is good. fun. Bull of the Woods is awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing better in my opinion than hard times. Live Sunday, January 24th, the showdowns in New York. The third annual Bunkhouse Stampede Final with more than 20 of the top NWA wrestlers. Only the roughest, only the toughest will be left standing at the end. And the payoff, one half million bucks for a bootful of dollars. These cowboys will do anything. Everything goes, anything goes. Don't miss it. See us do what we do best. Double team, triple team. The finals of the Bunkhouse Stampede. The baddest of the bad. This is Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, and I'm here to tell you there ain't nothing as bad as the Bunkhouse Stampede. And there's only one way that you can get the Bunkhouse Stampede, so I want you to listen up, that Pilgrim. 1985, I was a freshman in high school. October was one of the first months I was in high school and I was, I was an athletic kid. I was as tall as I am now, six foot one, about 170, 180 pounds, um, had a promising baseball career in front of me. And I had a father who I didn't get along with just like 90% of American teenage males at that point, probably. But one thing we did agree upon was professional wrestling on,
on Sunday night or Saturday night, whatever day of the week it came on in your area. And there was a promoter named Jim Crockett, Mm -hmm. and he had a guy working for him named Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes had been holding a feud forever with the best bad guy in the business, Ric Flair, right? The dirtiest player in the game. Ric Flair, heavyweight champion, Dusty Rhodes trying to uh, become the champion again. Dusty Rhodes delivers a promo. We all know it. It's hard times. (laughs) And I think it may be... No, I'm going to change that. I don't think. I know. It's the greatest wrestling promo of all time. You guys can argue with me if you like, but I'm going to leave it right there on the floor in front of everyone. It's timeless. I mean, take the what he said back then in 85, you can apply it to the 90s, you can apply it to the 2000s, even, you know, even now, you know, to non-wrestling fans too. Well, and here's what I'm curious about. Before I start giving my two cents on this, and, and George, I've heard some great promos. I've heard some mm-hmm. some heartfelt promos. I've seen some that just truly are just emotional, just dripping of emotion. This one leaves them all in the dust. I, I As big of a Mick Foley fan as I am, the Kane Dewey promo is one of my favorites. Sure. This yeah, one leaves it in the dust. I mean, just absolutely leaves it in the dust. Aaron, before we even, before I say anything more on, I know this is probably, you probably heard parts of this before if you hadn't heard the whole thing. What was your take on it? When you went back and watched this, prepping for this this particular episode, what was your take on it? It really kind of struck a chord with me, um, you know, talking about, you know, the, um, uh, and I can't remember exactly what was said, but talking about basically the, the average worker, you know, the average person, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, experiencing hard times, not being able to put food on the table and stuff like that. And, you know, about a year ago, I didn't have a job. I had lost my job. So it really kind of kind of took me back to that and kind of uh, really hit me personally. Like he, he understood. Yeah. This is the height of the greed era. Yeah. Right. So this, this is, is what, Ronald Reagan, yeah. trickle down, trickle down and um, economics. I can't even say that it pisses me off so bad, <laughs> but you have everybody in America trying to grab for themselves and you have the poor class getting further and further away from a livable life, right? People, like you said, Aaron, not having food to put on the table, maybe not having a house to live in. In three minutes, Dusty Roads made all of that real yeah, right. to everyone. I mean, anybody who saw that promo, they, they believed in hard times. Yeah, He put hard times on Dusty Roads and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work and got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. That's hard times. Here's the thing that I took away from this when I, because I went back and watched it. I remember seeing it when it, it first aired and I was just, I think I was a little too young to understand it at that point, but going back and watching it and just watching, as I said at the beginning of the episode, Dusty didn't really talk. Dusty preached and mm-hmm. that's what he was doing. He was preaching. He was just laying it all out there of the truth of Dusty Rhodes. And the thing that I find so fascinating about this is that when he got inducted into the uh, the WWE Hall of Fame, he started off 
off his induction speech the same way that he started off hard times. Yeah. And he talked a lot about that and and brought that back in and talked about how he survived the hard time. And if he can do it, anybody can do it. That kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, how many times Oof. have you ever heard anyone make a, a, like you said, George, a three minute statement? It's not a long promo. It's really no, not. No. But it was so just out of left field, impactful and truthful. I mean, it just, there's not one phrase in there that anybody can argue with. Right. There's not one phrase that anybody could just, you know, misinterpret. It was as clear and honest as possible. You talked, Barry, about him almost preaching to his audiences when he does his promo. In the Southern Baptist Church, traditionally, a service is 45 to an hour long, Mm -hmm. usually starting at around 11 a.m., and you have the welcome, and then you usually have the choir get up and sing a couple of songs or something along those lines. Oftentimes, you'll have the passing of the bucket you know, to put your donations in for the church. But then you get 30 minutes, usually 35 of a sermon from the preacher, right? In three minutes, Dusty Rhodes delivered what felt to me like a 35 minute sermon that I would hear on a Sunday. Yeah. And the difference was I wanted to hear his sermon. (laughs) Whereas, you know, when you're a kid, you don't always want to hear the preacher's sermon, right? You're like, come on, I got Legos to play with, man. Let's move this along. Well, it's because the preacher wasn't your hero. You know, well, to your point earlier, I believe I think it was- so. But even if I hadn't known Dusty Rhodes at that point, yeah. Like, you know, Aaron, you just watched this one in full for the first time in preparation for this episode, I believe. Right. Dusty Rhodes was a person you knew, but like you said, you didn't grow up watching that because you came in to wrestling a little bit later. Right. Even not as a hero, do you have a belief that there's a better promo out there? I do not. See, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he doesn't even have to be your hero for this promo to be the most impactful promo you've ever seen. I understand, but I I think they carried even more weight, though, because- No question. Question, yeah. Yeah. Here he was promoted as the American dream. Here he was, mm-hmm. you know, promoting himself as well as everyone else promoting him as the common man. Yep. And this he became the voice of the common man. He became he became to wrestling what Merle Haggard was to country music, the voice sure. of the common man, you know? Yeah. Right. And it it really just it rung true all the way through. And if, if you ever had any question about how impactful that three minutes were in 2015. I read this up. ESPN did an article where they were talking about hard times. And I just, I love this quote. And they said, quote, in just over three minutes, Rhodes fully encapsulated every ounce of his charm by endearing himself to blue collar mid-America. Exactly. I mean, just for ESPN of all people to make that statement, it's just unheard of. It goes to show the far reaching nature of Dusty Rhodes and his personality. Yeah. Dusty Rhodes, Rhodes was one of the very few, and I mean this with every bit of my heart, he's one of the very few professional wrestlers who Mm. reached outside of professional wrestling without trying to reach outside of professional wrestling. Dusty Rhodes didn't become a big movie star. You didn't see Dusty Rhodes on any TV shows of the day, like you did a Hulk Hogan or even a Ric Flair or Roddy Piper or a Rock or Stone Cold others. You'd see him doing any of that stuff, but people who don't even care about professional wrestling, know the name of Dusty Rhodes. 
Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And the reason why they know the name of Dusty Rhodes, it's not because he was an overweight guy who ran around in tights in a square ring with ropes on it. And polka not dots. because of that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the polka dots. <laughs> I know. The polka dots is a whole different podcast. But I would say that they know him because of this promo hmm. and all the promos that he did that were like, we picked out three. Yeah. Oh, we and could that easily picked out to 20. pick three. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you said, Aaron, you went down a rabbit hole because you click on one on YouTube and the sidebar on YouTube has 20 other ones listed. You click going. on that one. There's 20 new ones. <laughs> I mean, just people know and love these promos for a reason. If you as a listener have not had the opportunity to go and watch these promos, do yourself a favor, search on YouTube, Dusty Roads Hard Times, yes. click that link and everything else will follow. You don't have to search for anything else. Dusty Roads Hard Times, that'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. You will find a master class of what it is to give a promo. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that's important in the next segment. One thing is for sure, though, when you go back and you look at our industry, you look at passion. You look at the, the road, you look at hard times on the road. You look at driving down the road, night after night, trying to make a town, getting $25. That's hard times. And you go home and you see people just dying out there on the streets and, and people crying about their children being in Iraq. That's hard times. I talked about the Hard Times promo like it was the last thing Dusty Rhodes ever did. However, it definitely wasn't. Dusty Rhodes oh, went on yeah. to many other promos and wrestling storylines. This was 85. He did stuff all the way up into the 90s. Uh, you mentioned the polka dots, Barry. He did that <laughs> run in WWF with Miss Precious. <laughs> oh, Sapphire. Why did I call her Precious? Who was Precious? <laughs> was there a Precious somewhere? I, I don't think know. that was in a different organization. He did have Maybe. one. Yeah. Maybe Precious would. No, that was uh, that was Garvin's valet. Oh, right? Ronnie Garvin's. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ronnie Garvin and Precious. Jimmy. Was it Jimmy or Ronnie? No, Ronnie was hands of stone. It was Jimmy Garvin. It was Jimmy Garvin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're going off to kilter here. But <laughs> that never one happens. One of the things that I think Dusty Rhodes had uh, that was as much of legacy as his on-camera or in-ring work was what he did behind the scenes. We talked about him being um, a booker and a writer of a lot of different organizations, but later on in his career, when he wasn't able to really get in the ring and perform as he could when he was younger, he became a mentor behind yes. the scenes. He was still affiliated, believe it or not, with WWE at the time. And WWE had their own kind of, it wasn't a territorial system, but it was more like a minor league system. And at first they had an organization called OVW out of Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And that relationship quickly broke up, didn't last but for more than a year and a half or so. And then they they moved down to Florida and they started working with Florida Championship Wrestling. Now, it's not the same Florida Championship Wrestling that we talked about in the territory system. It's kind of a later, smaller incarnation. And it later on became NXT when they decided you know, to make some personnel changes and change some names and put it on TV as a new brand. But he used to do these, what he called Learning Tree Promo Classes. And yep. I only know this because there were some references to it in some of those Tough Enough series where they would try to pick the next wrestler. I remember yeah. WWF. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not saying I'm a big fan, but they mentioned about 
you know, these people would talk about going to the Dusty Rhodes Learning Tree classes. Mm. Can you imagine being a young, aspiring professional wrestler and getting to sit in a room with Dusty Rhodes and him teach you how to give a promo? I mean, that's got to be like, you know, taking a guitar lesson from Eric Clapton or, you know, you know, painting lessons from one of the greats. I mean, it's just the fact that he knew how to relay his, not just his knowledge, but his style and his method and his thought process when he went through this. If you listen to anyone talk about Dusty and taking those courses with him and being going through NXT and having to sit in on the promos class and let Dusty teach you how to cut a promo, they always talk with such a level of reverence. Mm-hmm. It's they I mean, there's no one that was that was blind to what they were sitting in on or being a part of. So, Aaron, you were a professional wrestler for a period of time. Right. I know that that was short lived because of the organization and all. Did your organization talk internally about, hey, if you want to you want to learn how to do a promo, go watch a Dusty Rhodes promo or anything like Because I don't think he was ever a teacher at your organization. Oh, no, no, no. No, it was real, real small, but um no, they they never actually did. Um, hmm. Basically, basically, they're uh, they said just watch watch wrestling and watch people give promos. They didn't uh, specifically name anybody in particular. Okay, so for future episodes, Aaron, this is the part where you lie a little bit to make my point for me. <laughs> oh, of course they did. Absolutely. <laughs> way to way to take the bait there, Aaron. Way there to take we go. The bait. Picking up Abs- on what I'm laying down there. Nice yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we would be remiss if we did not talk about, since we're talking about the legacy of Dusty, we have to talk about his two sons mm. that are still wrestling to this day. I would say that Dusty would say his greatest legacy is his children. Absolutely. And we'll, uh, there were two brothers. There was Cody, the younger brother, who Mm -hmm. has wrestled in any number of different incarnations. Uh, Most recently, back in WWE, he calls himself, since Dusty was the American dream, he's the American nightmare. Yep. And he actually helped start AEW. He was one of the founding members of AEW. Yeah. And I (laughs) I just, I have a lot of respect for for Cody Rhodes and what he does, both in-ring and out-of-ring. And you can see a lot of Dusty's legacy carrying over into Cody. More so, however, with his older brother, Dustin, or as you know him from the WWE as Goldust. (laughs) They made me do that. Now I'm creeped out a little bit. Uh, You make the point that maybe Dustin epitomizes his father a little bit more than Cody. Yeah. I'm going to take a slightly different stance. I think Cody is the better promo guy. Cody cuts more truthful promos than Dustin does. Mm-hmm. Dustin, however, because he, when he first started off, he started off very early and he wrestled as Dustin Rhodes and mm-hmm. he was the the strong boy, cowboy, son of, you know, he was son of a, a son of a plumber. Barry Wyndham partner, right? There's a couple of those guys who have that. Yeah. It just, and it wasn't bad. It just wasn't anything memorable. You know, he couldn't cut a promo back no. then. He tried. He and no. Barry, God love them, best in-ring talents in that organization at the time. Yeah. Neither one of them could speak on a mic, just couldn't do it. And that's what I mean. He didn't get good at promos. And I'm not going to say he was great at promos, but he didn't get good at promos till he moved over to WWF and they were coaching and teaching him. And he was doing most of his promo work in the vignettes before the matches. Yes. Right. But by doing so and developing that style, Goldust cut some of the strangest, mm-hmm. unique- give you that. <laughs> intoxicating, confusing promos I have ever seen. But 
by God, they were fun to watch. They were. Oh, yeah. You know? Definitely. We're talking about Dusty Rhodes' legacy. Hard times, especially. I have a new partner, absolutely. Talk about evoking emotions from the people watching the promo. Yeah. You going to tell me that Dustin did that better than Cody when he was talking about his father? No, I'm not. That's what I'm saying. I think he's the better promo guy, especially in the ring off the cuff. Off the cuff on the ring, okay, maybe. I'll give you that as far as from the emotional side. Like I said, the emotional side, I will give you Cody all day long. All right. But as far as encapsulating and pulling you into a promo and making you stay there consistently, Mm. that's Dustin. Yeah. Dustin would cut a promo and you're just, because you don't know what the hell's going on. So you're sitting there trying to figure it out the entire time. And it's definitely more, especially when he was working with like Booker T and, you know, the tag team there. I'll be the third vote. I agree with Barry. Uh Oh, sorry, George. That's that's okay. You guys are allowed to be on the losing side in my podcast. That's perfectly fine. I got no problem with the one on two match going that way. Damn it. He's pulling rank on us, Aaron. (laughs) Dustin absolutely can give the best entertaining promos. His stuttering gimmick, like you mentioned with Booker T, Barry. That was brilliant, funny, absolutely hilarious. The Tourette's thing. But that's not Dusty's promo. See, I disagree. Absolutely. No, no. You that's can't not say Dusty's that's promo. not Dusty's, Dusty's promo. Dusty's promo, did both. Hard Times, is all about the common man and relating to the audience. That's Cody far more than Dustin. And then you turn around and do Bull of the Woods where it's but just- But Bull of the Woods is relating to the common man because Bull of the Woods is all about kicking the ass and being the toughest guy in the business. And having fun doing it. And I think if you're going to say a Hard Times one, all right, we'll go it like this. And I think this will settle the argument. This is not going to settle this argument if you go with Dustin. I'm just telling you ahead of time. <laughs> I have a new partner would be Cody. Bull of the mm-hmm. Woods would be Dustin. Eh. Nobody is going to do hard times. Nobody. Okay. Well, nobody can do hard times. Not Cody, not Dustin, nobody. I'm going to tell you, Cody talking about his father after his passing. It was close. First tear I shed since hard time. It was close. It was very close. I'll give you that. But I just, hard times, man, that was one of those ones that it's so synonymous and it's so ingrained. Nobody's going to touch that one. Yeah. So maybe the legacy of Dusty Rhodes and his children is just that he delivered promos of his own and through genetics or sitting... you know, with him, Osmosis. children that fostered this kind of debate for decades to come after oh, yeah. he's gone. And no matter what anybody wants to say about who's right, who's wrong, I don't really care. As long as we all acknowledge the fact, Dusty Rhodes is the man. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question. Best promo guy ever. I love, you know, some of the stuff that CM Punk has done. I love Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. I love The Rock. I love, you know, all the guys who have come after. Mm-hmm. They still don't hold a candle to Dusty. No, I would even say Flair doesn't hold a candle to Dusty. No, Flair, I, like I said, you know, Flair is brilliant. I, I love Flair. I think he's the greatest wrestler all around of all time. I still oh, yeah. do. I, I haven't changed my mind on that. To me, he's Michael Jordan. And, yeah. you know, I know I, I'll get the LeBron just like with Flair, I get the Rock. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's Ric Flair and Michael Jordan all day long. But Dusty, greatest promo guy ever. I have thoroughly enjoyed this look back on those three promos in particular and the history of Dusty Rhodes in general. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. I know this was a new topic for you a little bit, but I'm glad that you got to relive 
these memories with Barry and I. I learned a lot. It was great. I absolutely loved it. And Barry, we may disagree, but I'm super happy that you were here because there's no better subject to disagree upon than Dusty Road. What can I say, George? I dined with kings and queens and I ate pork and beans. So <laughs> as long as you're on this podcast, that's all we can afford. So you're not wrong. <laughs> We George, appreciate what we got coming ever- up here, buddy. What's coming up next on this? Because I'm really excited about this next one. Well, normally I just do a whole segment where I just move into it. But since you mentioned it, and I know you're really happy about this one. This is the first time as a podcast, we are going to come together and put together a collective top 10 list. And this time that list is the top tag teams of the 1980s. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how many more T words I can throw into that promo. And for anyone listening, the arguments have already started on this one. Yeah. So- so they just have. be ready for it. <laughs> we did this one in the traditional Gen X grown up style. I created the spreadsheet. We listed a bunch of people that could be voted upon. Everybody gets 60 points. We're going to go over the rules and how everything went in the next episode next week. Until then, Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Been a pleasure. Barry, always happy to have you. You know I love this, man. Thanks for having me. Fourth listener, it is you we appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Before the days of internet and in YouTube, you we was after booing Bobby Heenan and Rick Rude, and Jake would be the break. The Our theme song is courtesy of nerdcore hip hop artist Beefy. Explore his work at beefiness.com. Turnbuckles and Territories is a production of Gen X Grown Up and a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Buckles and Territories, we be stuck to screens in 1980s, and we can't feed them and meet them